This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. We are a proud member of the 143 Podcast Network. The Cheers to Comics podcast is proudly affiliated with NSCLiveTV.com. That's No Signal Comics. NSCLiveTV.com. Find the Cheers to Comics podcast on channel 34 of NSCLiveTV.com. No Signal Comics. The best in auction action. Well, hello again, Slurs. Welcome back to the Cheers to Comics podcast. I'm your host, Brian Wayne, and this is episode 59. This week, I'll be going over the books that were released on the 18th of December 2019. So, full disclosure, this is a spoiler-based podcast. I do drop lots of spoilers, but I also take the time to give you timestamps in the description, so if there's something that you want to skip to or not hear quite yet, you're not ready to hear quite yet, then bam, that's taken care of for you. Uh, Other disclosure I like to give is I got a potty mouth, and uh, yeah, I don't know how to filter my excitement. I was raised around some rugged folk, so yes, the F-bombs will be flying, so, yeah, there you go. If all that works out for you, and you don't got the sensitive ears, they're going to make you want to turn this off, then bam. Let's, let's talk comic books. Now, before I get into this whole episode 59, I got I got some splaining to do. Yes, I know. It's been two weeks since episode 58. I get it. I own a watch and a calendar. Uh, <laughs> but keep in mind, uh, I, I, you know, this network move, this was a big deal and it took a lot of time and unfortunately I was afraid that if I were to try to record podcasts in that time and give you episode 59, it wasn't going to be up to my standards. So I would rather give you quality over just pushing shit out for a few extra no- or a few downloads. I'm, yeah, uh, I'm about y'all. This is this is how I do it. Cheers to comics. But this is a real life episode 59. Uh, I will also say this. This is also going to be somewhat different from a normal episode 59 because as you may or may not know, there were a lot of books that came out this week. A lot dropped on the 18th. And well, frankly, I didn't I don't know anybody that has time to live a normal life, work two full-time jobs, and have a podcast, and have time to read 40 books, and come up with talking points for all of them. So I decided, on account of the lack of books coming out on Christmas, I'm going to merge some of those books into that podcast, so I don't have episode 60 coming off as, once again, a half ass podcast. So... If there's anything I don't talk about in this podcast that 
um, you were really expecting me to talk about for sure. There's a good chance that it's it was saved for the uh, episode 60. And right off the bat, I could tell you that none of the Black Label books would be on this episode. So, spoiler, I guess. Um, hopefully that doesn't get you to turn it off from now. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. I'm going to totally forget to edit this out. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's 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 it. Uh, let's Let's talk some fucking comics, man. You know, I like to start out with news. And I just got one piece of news to drop. It's the most important piece of news to drop. I didn't go digging into the news because the news came to me. Uh, if you look back at the episode prior to episode 59, it's a creator corner. And that creator corner is featuring a fucking massive talent known as Chuck Brown. And throughout this conversation with Chuck Brown, Chuck drops some knowledge on us, man. Us Cheers to Comics folks got the exclusive announcement about a new book that he already has signed an artist for. Um, I was... <laughs> I felt like I had already overstayed my welcome. I didn't do my job as a journalist to dig in and try to get more. <laughs> so he said he had the artist... Didn't ask who it was, but I did get a title, and I got a premise, and I've got the fact that there is an outline done. Now, this book is called Flat. Once again, this all is all talked about in that episode, but I could tell you that it's going to trigger a lot of very stupid people, and I am all about pissing off stupid people, because <laughs> i got to weed out some... F mm, it's another podcast... Uh, <laughs> so yes, I'm super stoked about that. And the fact is, is that Chuck Brown dropped this on the Cheers to Comics podcast. So anybody out there that wants to claim that they got the exclusive, they're a liar. And yeah, so that's, that's, that's news right there. Boom. Find it nowhere else but here. I'm sure other stuff happened over the week, but honestly, I'm... Fucking, I'm ready to just talk comics, man. It's been a couple of weeks. I've been itching. There's books I've read that I didn't get to talk about that, you know. So now I'm going to talk about some books. And we're going to dive right into the indies. And <laughs> we're going to start out with Boom Studios, Once in Future, number five. Kieran Gillen, Dan Mora, Tamara Bonvillain, cover by Dan Mora. Now... Uh, there are parts of this book that kind of confuse me a little bit, so I'm, I may have just missed something, but once again, I'm going to give you the, the uh, broad spectrum overview here, and what's going on essentially is after, you know, Grand reveals to Duncan, you're actually Percival, you know, your name, your middle name is Percy, I've been training you all these years, and blah, 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 well, now, he says you gotta go after the grill, you gotta get Galahad, and you know, you can't, mm, mm don't, yeah, but there, there's, there's some stuff about some other stuff going on that I don't explain, and that other, or that, that I don't explain, that I, well, I'm not going to be able to explain, because I just, like I said, I don't understand, but the result of whatever is going on there is Grand shooting herself in the fucking gut, and she's not dead, she's just like, oh, you gotta go do it, bam, turns a gun on herself and shoots herself in the gut. I, I don't fucking know, but, yeah, so, uh, old Duncan, he goes after Galahad, and he clang, 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 ching, chong, fucking sword swings with him, 
<laughs> Can you tell it's been a while since I've done this? Uh, <laughs> uh, and, well, uh, through magic, he ends up trapping him and, you know, to a point where he can't get out. Well, that's what trapping is, I guess, Brian. So Galahad, he's he's not dead, but he's not able to get the grail anymore. Well, at this point, Duncan gets back to Gran and says, All right, Gran, let's go to the healing waters. And those motherfuckers are heal ya. And they get to the healing waters and they ask the lady of the lake, ladies of the waters, uh, to, uh, you know, hey, heal this old bitch. And out comes Excalibur. And Duncan now is in possession of the very, very, very coveted and mysterious and magical... Excalibur, and that's essentially how this issue ends. I, it was good. It was. I, I dug it just fine. The art is always great. It's Dan Mora. But as far as um, the 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 little shooting yourself in the gut part, I don't get that. I don't get that one bit. Maybe that was the motivation. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure it'll probably be touched upon again. And we'll get that figured out. Let's keep this baby rolling. We've got Farmhand number 12. Oh, man. Rob Guillory, Taylor Wells did the colors. Uh, Guillory and Wells on the cover as well. Oh, man. So a lot is explained in this book. The uh, issue 11 was kind of a broad opening to the, you know, the expansion of the Farmhand universe into the third arc. But... Oh, there was a lot of uh, uh, just everything answered throughout this and explained and plot pushed forward very well. So let's just get on with it. it starts out, we've got this mutant crawdad attack. Fisherman's out on the boat. And, oh, look, craw, crawdad. And then the crawdad kind of he's a little scary, a little scary looking. And <laughs> he's kind of picking it up, like, you don't look like a fucking regular crawdad. And then he turns around, and then his boat's being invaded, and he nopes the fuck out of there. And, yeah, well, the owner of the, the, the lake that the land is on, the land that the lake is on, sorry, or water, whatever it is, the bayou, is uh, Otis Comois, I think is how you would say that. And he's rather pissed. And he's explaining to the, the, the whatever the authorities are that he's talking to about the attack and all of that shit. And, you know, we learn a couple of things. Um, he, the big one being that he's a former partner of Jedediah. And, well, it seems that most of Jedediah's former partnerships ended in a, in a very sour manner. So naturally, yeah. Uh, he, he's pissed. He'll come in again later. Meanwhile, we go over to May. Monica has kind of taken May under her wing, and she's trying to groom her and really sidetrack her more than anything, keep her away from the actual fuckery that Thorne's actually doing on the side as mayor. So they're at this big event that May organized, and May's job that Thorne has given her, essentially, is to kind of be the, the community maker happier person i don't know that's not the official title but it's something along those lines <laughs> so she's hosting this big fun event and at this big fun event is the former mayor and he goes up to may and says that bitch is crazy 
do not fuck with her. She is all about some bullshit, and yeah, she does not have your best interest in mind, despite what she says. So, yeah. Uh, carrying on from there, uh, really what this is is setting up Randall Lafayette as a character, and Randall Lafayette is the former mayor. Then we go over to Zeke. Yes, it's a big family, and they're not in the same spot at this time, so there's several different, uh, um, settings happening here, but golly, it just transfers all over so well. I love it. So... Uh, Zeke, he's he's back at the farms and they're doing running all the tests on him because now he's got some green shit spouting out of his Spartan, spouting out of his shoulder, and they reveal that he is seed positive, is how they describe it. Well, being seed positive, you know, one has to do some shit to you. It's got a this it's this um, technology or treatment, if you will, has to be kind of surgically implanted. Well, as they're trying to figure out how the fuck this could possibly happen, because Zeke has let nobody plant their seed in him, <laughs> they realize that maybe it was due to the attack from that one transplant and the scuffle that they got in. There may have been some blood transferred over, and thus making this now a contagious epidemic. That's bad fucking news, as if this, this spreading wasn't bad enough as it is. Well... Uh, Zeke at this point, he's like, you know, we gotta go track this shit down, we gotta figure this shit out, and everyone says, no, you have to rest, and he says, no, I'm not gonna do that, uh, I think that Monica's old assistant, Walter Sparrow, might have some answers, and they say, well, we haven't heard from that motherfucker in a long time, and Zeke says, well, you know what, let's just go fucking fishing then, <laughs> and no, that's not exactly what he means, let's just go fishing, and then the, when he realizes that uh, maybe... Maybe the Sparrow fellow isn't going to be the easiest person to, to get a hold of. He answers to the call of the, the mutant mud bug situation. So then, yeah, he's out there on the boat at night trying to find out his own shit. He's got his little team with him. And uh, he, they, they follow these, these mud bugs on land. And they're like, well, shit, that's weird that they're colonizing on land. And then they, they kind of trail them through. And then when they do, they find this big, like, hive queen-looking thing. I don't know what it is. They don't give it a name or uh, an actual verbal description. You just look at it and say, that bitch is either a queen of something or a hive. It's just this giant plant that um, has a, uh, a vulva face. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... At this point, run, right? Well, yeah, they're, they're running. <laughs> and uh, while they're running, we go over to Jedediah. And he is knocking on the door of Randall Lafayette, the former mayor. And he confides in him and says, Look, I, I need your help, man. I know that you might have, you know, the ways into to Monica Thorne's type of situation. And, yeah, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Help me out. And he says, well, despite her being all nice and cool with your family, she's a fucking cunt and she's going to destroy everything. She is the enemy. And that's, yeah, that's exposed there at the end. I I loved how this book was paced. Uh, admittedly, number 11 kind of threw me off just a little bit because I, 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 I wasn't sure. It was setting up a whole new arc. It was all new information. But, uh, yeah, fuck, it was, <sighs> I dug it, I dug it so much, 
and it's Guillory Art. It's Rob Guillory Art. We talk all about this shit on the fucking podcast as well. December was great for guests. <laughs> it was the best month for guests on this podcast. Uh, yeah, you can go through and listen to the Guillory episode. You'll learn some shit. Let's carry on. This is a book starting its third arc that I <laughs> I didn't expect to see so soon. And I'm glad it came quick. Middle West, number 13. Scotty Young, Jorge Corona, and Jean-Francois Buella. Covered by Jorge Corona. So, uh, there's... This is a visual book. It's There's not a lot of dialogue going on here. There's really two main things to take from this. I guess three. Starting out, the first one being uh, the beginning of the book is a flashback five years ago. And you see Abel and his mom and his dad were a happy family. <laughs> and yeah, so everything's cool. And then over time, you see things start to spiral. Dad starts growing the that that growthy beard, and he starts, you know, he went from hey son to what the fuck do you want, son? Go do your paper out, you little fucking brat. And yeah, it's a complete turn of fighting with mom in the the kitchen and shit. And yeah, he's just a a grumpy son of a bitch. Well, obviously mom's not a thing anymore. She left him, and you know, dad blames Abel, assumingly, presumingly, I don't know, that's obviously some shit's tense between the two of them, some daddy issues for show. Well, what's Abel doing now? He's on Raider Farms, Ethel Fields, just, and now it's time to, to get broken in, he's on his first day, he gets set up with his little team leader, and first lesson are the cinder grubs. Now, these cinder grubs, they just feed on these ethyl orbs all day, so they are combustible as fuck. And they learn that when old Raider himself teaches a lesson by kind of squeezing a grub on one of the kids, and the kid just lights on fucking fire. Takes the rest of the kids, tells the crew, go put that little fucker out, and he says, now you know what happens when you're not careful in these fields. This is why you're wearing these big protective hazmat suits and shit. And you could tell there's a lot more to learn, but the fuck, I'm going on and on about, I went on for, uh, oh, well, 11 issues about what the fuck is this pink shit that's everywhere. <laughs> God damn, are we going to learn about this pink shit now? This, this ethyl. Well, or ethyl? I don't know what it is. Ethyl sounds like an old lady name. Ethyl sounds like a, uh, well, a fuel. That's what I'm going to go with. Ethyl. I'm going to try to... <laughs> anyway, well, while all that's going on, we go back over to Maggie and uh, fucking... Oh, what was his name? Zed? I don't remember exactly. But at this point, they realize, okay, we need help taking over Raider Farmers. We fucked up by not taking out Raider back in the day. And yeah, well, they kind of think there's no way that these people are going to help out. So they ask, hey, um people will you help out and they say bitch you brought that crazy little tornado kid up in here and fucked up our lives and you want us to go rescue him eat dicks and well that's yeah pretty much what they tell her well over time they get a change of heart and they say you know what they show up with their pitchforks and their torches literally and say well let's go take down all ethel farms and get back our uh, our motherfucking people and that is what they set off to do. 
God damn, what a strong issue. This is how you... I, Man, I dig the fuck out of this story. And I kind of hope that they advance the, 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 the years just a little bit. I want to think... Uh, but uh, no, I take that back. Not with Maggie and everything already suited up. The cover kind of threw me off, because it looks like Abel had aged significantly. So I was kind of expecting a thing where, you know, he was already in the fields. There was not going to be an initiation. Maybe he was a team leader or something. That's what I expected going into this based off the cover. But no, they just pick up right where the fucking issue 12 left off. And I respect the fuck out of that. I do. I do. So, yes, that's Middle West number 13. Uh, Image Comics, they two bangers last week. Bangers. Fucking dig them. Farmhand, Middle West, life is good, baby. Life is good. Let's get into Dark Horse. Count Crowley, number three. I don't know why all of a sudden I'm from Boston. Reluctant Midnight Monster Hunter. David Dosmalakin. Uh, Lucas Kettner and Lauren Offe. Lucas Kettner did that cover. All right, Jerry. She was uh she's running away from uh the oh shit what was his name uh, the old the original Count Crowley's house or the previous Count Crowley not the original Count Crowley the previous Count Crowley's house because you know he's missing and all that shit and she's a replacement and shit's been weird so she's trying to find answers so she's all up in there. Well, there's a Frankenstein monster. Well, now it's time to run from the Frankenstein monster. She runs from the Frankenstein monster, but the creepy cat ends up in the backseat of her car, and, well, now she's got herself a little pet. And knowing that this issue is going to, or this, yeah, this series is going to continue on past the, the, the four-issue miniseries originally slated, once again, how do I know this? Go back and listen to the Lucas Kettner episode, Creator Corner. I think it was, like, number 11 or something like that. Oh, fuck, dude. <laughs> so many great people have been on this podcast already, just in the last few weeks. So yes, Count Crowley. Uh, well, she 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 escapes the Frankenstein monster, but not after you know cutting, accidentally pulling his hand off and it falling into the car. Well, she rolls up, dials on a payphone. Don't know what year this is, but she's on a payphone. She calls the the network exec, her friend Ben, the guy that kind of got her the job to begin with. And she's trying to go. She says, "Come pick me up. I need some help." And he's like, "Look here, you drunk bitch." I'm on my way. And she sh- he, she, he shows up, and he's pretty fucking pissed off. Uh, he's, he's not as patient as he normally is. Well, she's trying to explain without really explaining, because how do you say, you know, a Frankenstein thing? So uh, she says, well, come look at the car. This motherfucker's hand fell off and shit while I was snooping around. He says, bitch, you've been snooping around? And he's not happy about that. But you think, well, okay, when you see this Frankenstein hand in your car... I know his name's not Frankenstein, I get it, but that's what it is. <laughs> it is for this podcast. You see the Frankenstein hand in the, po- uh, in the, in the po- uh, fuck, car? Mountain Dew, huh? <laughs> well, the thing is, is it's not there anymore. It fucking, Adam's family handed it, it, it thinged its way out, the fucking motherfucker. Cat saw the whole thing, didn't even bother to stop it. Fucking useless goddamn thing. But, uh... Yeah, so, he, uh, he's essentially at this point says, look, you drunk bitch, uh, I don't see anything in this car but a whole lot of empty bottle, whole lot of empty bottles of booze and whatnot, and you're, you're a fucking mess, you're a mess, 
uh, despite the, the ratings, we're going to have to let you go. Get some help, and we'll talk, but in the meantime, later. Well, at this point, she says, well, what the fuck ever? I need to figure out what the fuck's going on. Fuck this job. Uh, so at this point, she goes to the retirement home where the legendary and original Count Crowley, Mr. Vincent Frice, Frice with an F, because, you know, <laughs> he's sitting there, and yeah, he's, he's not all about Jerry at all. Not even a little bit. He's a grumpy old little son of a bitch. And he's not giving her any answers, and she, she fucking peace bitch storms out. Now, what was the point of all that? I guarantee it's going to expo be explained. <laughs> and, you know, I don't explain ever all of these, you know, these overviews aren't panel for panel, word for word by any means. I still like to leave something to the imagination that makes you want to go out and actually fucking get the book yourself. This is, you know, a medium that is uh, just as much visual as it is, uh, you know, literary. So, bam, there you go. You gotta pick it up and find out on your own. That's what I've got for the indies. I, I am so impressed with whew, what I gotta read. Yes, there were more indies, but see episode 60. Let's get into DC. DC came hard. There was so much DC this week, and trying to divide out what I'm going to do on this episode and then episode 60 was difficult, but I think I got it figured out, and well, this is what we're going to start with this week. We're going to start out with Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad number one, Tom Taylor, Bruno Redondo, and Adriano Lucas, covered by Ivan Reese and Joe Prado. Gotta love that. As if cover A wasn't enough. Hmm, let me tell ya, we'll get into that segment in a bit. But first, let's talk Suicide Squad. Who's on the Suicide Squad? Well, we got Deadshot, Harley, The Shark, Zebra Man, Cavalier, and Magpie. Who? Deadshot, Harley, The Shark, Zebra Man, Cavalier, and The Magpie. The fuck are those people? Worst Suicide Squad ever is the theme of this book. Am I being a shitty fucking goddamn elitist? No. It is very much acknowledged in this book that this is the worst Suicide Squad ever. But that is the whole driving point of the first issue of this relaunch. DC does not do relaunches very often. It just doesn't. Uh, the you know, last Suicide Squad, it went on for a bit. It did, but you know, sales dropped and yeah. Uh, the thing is, is when you have a motherfucker like Tom Taylor touching any IP at all, any, it's going to be solid fucking 24 karat, baby. And you know what? Suicide Squad is back. I know the the the, the team has been tainted in a lot of uh, pop culture's, uh, you know, viewers' eyes. You know, I know that movie was not received, and and anymore, when something isn't received well, everything around it seems to be just as fucking shunned. So, it's unfortunate. But, fortunately, Suicide Squad is not just back and on shelves once a month. It is back and readable. <laughs> and I, I already want more. So, let's get on with this team. We've got Deadshot, Harley, The Shark, Zebraman, Cavalier, and Magpie. But... That's not who we see in the first pages. Who we see in the first pages are 
we kind of get duped. Uh, one might think, if you're not familiar with, you know, these characters, you're like, who the fuck? These characters are badass. You get this crazy action sequence. This just go team go. Just a team clicking. Just every fucking cog is just oiled and looped and running properly. And this team is not the Suicide Squad at all. It's the Revolutionaries. <laughs> and, you know, and they're not out there heroing, heroing at all. They're out there hijacking and terrorizing. And, well, they're essentially trying to obtain this nuclear warhead. And, well, they get this nuclear warhead, and that's where the Suicide Squad comes in. Amanda Waller shows up, but the thing is, it's not just Amanda Waller. She's kind of shadowing this this new guy. Um, for whatever reason, I didn't write down his name. But there's this guy leading the suicide, you know, ordering, not leading, ordering the Suicide Squad around. They're not happy with it, and who the fuck are you? And they send them on this mission, and uh, they kind of look behind them and say, Amanda, is this, I mean, is this something you would have us do? And she says, it's not my call anymore, motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, so, well, yeah. She, well, actually, that's not what she says. Not in the beginning. At first, she says, these are your orders, do them. And now, at this point, we get a fight between... Uh, the Suicide Squad and the Revolutionaries, but within that fight, Cavalier and Magpie die. Bye-bye. Yep, two down. Uh, well, <laughs> not off to a great start. Worst Suicide Squad ever. So, they, <laughs> they're fighting and they're fighting and then bam, shots fired. Shots fired into the domes of the Revolutionaries. Bam. Headshot, 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 headshot. Uh, maybe even another headshot. I forget how many of them there are. Well, these aren't bullets that are getting fired into their head. They are the same remotely triggered detonating explosives that the Suicide Squad has all up in their noggins, keeping them compliant and whatnot. Mission, well, uh, the remaining... Suicide Squad and the remaining revolutionaries, yeah, a few, uh, two or three of them went down as well. It wasn't one-sided. They are now forced to work together. So we're going to have a bunch of people that we're not totally familiar with, as if, you know, we're not totally familiar with the shark and zebra man either. Um, more so, though, than these other characters. Definitely more than Cavalier and Magpie, that's for sure. Fuck those motherfuckers. They're dead for a reason. Worst Suicide Squad ever just became so fucking interesting. <laughs> Leave it to Tom Taylor, man. This was, oh, the action in the beginning. It just, it felt like a fucking Bond movie, the way it was sequenced. It was, it was brilliant. It was absolutely fucking brilliant. I have a feeling that my rankings for DC's best ongoings, Detective and Batman Beyond. Look out. Look out. Tom Taylor on an ongoing DC book is... It's, it's just... It's sign, right, right out the check, leave it blank. DC's about to make all of the fucking money. All of it. And the Suicide Squad, particularly. Bruno Redondo and Adriano Lucas, you fucking scored, guys. <laughs> scored. Alright, let's talk Shazam. 
Shazam number nine. Guess what? This one's not all that late. Not all that late at all. Well, I mean, it's late originally, but it didn't get pushed back any further than they said it was going to get pushed back from the last time they said it was going to get pushed back. <laughs> Shazam's here, motherfuckers. Jeff Johns, Marco Santucci, Scott Collins, and Dale Eaglesham. So, yeah, a whole huge, amazing art team all up in there. Mark Buckingham did the cover. Very impressive there. But we pick up right where the last issue left off, and that's Billy's dad getting shazammed, becoming the seventh champion. Now that we have a seventh champion, we can close the seven magic lands because all those doors are opened and everything's getting fucked right now. And yeah, we still got some of the some of the kids all off, you know, fucking yeah. It's not good. It's not good. Well, they uh, Black Adam. He and the Seven Sins are all up in there, and we've got a, a battle ensuing between Billy's dad, the Seven Champion, Billy, and Mary. Now, at first, before Black Adam shows up, <laughs> we do get this funny moment where Shazam goes up to, uh, you know, his dad, who's in, now shazam He's already freaked out, and he's like, Dad! He's like, whoa, he pushes him away, like, hard. Like, superpower hard. <laughs> Doesn't know his own strength yet, kind of hard. He's like, you're not my fucking son. And then that's when he explains, you know, hey, magic. So at this point, he says, look, uh, there's this dude coming. He's got seven cents. We got to fuck him up. He says, okay. So they're fighting, but there's a problem. The problem being that Mary is also there at the same time. When she's shazammed out, uh, Billy's dad's powers, poofed, went away. So... For, and then when he poofs back, Shazam's back, Mary's powers go away. And that's... There, there's a divide. There's a split. Uh, the, the wizard, thought to be dead, fucking... Well, I guess I take that back. He, uh... Before I get to the wizard, we go to the Wazunderlands. And in the Wazunderlands is, well, uh, the Scarecrow. They're on the yellow brick road. It's it's fucking... It's, yeah. It's ridiculous. But they're there, and we've got a merging between Alice and uh, uh, Dorothy. They, they kind of... They got to come together, and it's a whole thing. We don't see them, but they're talked about. Well, the Scarecrow, he... It's... Once again, you got to read it yourself. But while they're in the Wizunderlands... Bam, the wizard shows up. Now, the whole point of getting to the Wizunderlands, you realize, okay, it was the wizard that did this to begin with because the seven sins along with Black Adam, they were about to fuck up Mary and Billy and his dad. Well, while they're in the Wizunderlands, the wizard shows up with, uh, oh, sh uh, two of the other little orphans. I don't remember which ones they are. The ones that were already in the Wizunderlands to begin with. And... At this point, he says, look, there's the reason why the, the power shifting back and forth is because you're now divided. The magic doesn't work this way. Uh, you're torn between your family. You're, you're here with your real family, and then you got your, your, your adopted family. And it's one or the other, Billy. This is how shit works. Well, he doesn't accept that, and through the power of, you know, uh, fucking comic books and magic... He overrides this magic spell, blowing the fucking wizard's mind, and now, boom... All seven champions are there. They can go close the seven doors and fuck up Mr. Mind and uh, Black Adam and the Seven Sins and 
I have a feeling this 10th issue, issue is going to be a fucking banger. <laughs> this is this is probably, I said at the beginning, and uh, at the very beginning of this podcast, someone even brought me onto their podcast to talk about the books to get into. And as far as DC goes, I, I don't know anybody that could dislike this. Uh, the, the movie was very real, well reviewed in this, I'm telling you, I, I'm convinced that uh, Jeff Johns played a massive part in that movie because of how true it stays to this comic. So, yeah. Uh, carrying on, I could talk about fucking Shazam all day. Let's get into Nightwing. Nightwing number 67. A book that's not so popular, but I'm reading the shit out of it because I got faith. Dan Jurgens, Ronan Cliquet, and Nick Filardi on the art team. Bruno Redondo did the cover on that. Said his name a couple times now. Oh, so he's going to draw Suicide Squad and then do the Nightwing cover. It's a fucking beautiful cover, too. So, anyways, what's going on here is now Grayson. He is... He's got the Talon goggles on, and everything he thought he knew about Batman, he now is kind of replaced, and he thinks that Talon is now his his adopted daddy figure, and he's now born to kill. First step, kill Team Nightwing. So he goes after the Nightwings, and he's throwing his knives and whatnot, but we get a new character coming in, uh, Condor Red. He's this, a part of this global surveillance ops. Never heard of this motherfucker before, but he's he's a thing. Just for a minute, though. He's flying in, and he's... the whatever Whoever he's communicating with, whoever's back at the Global Surveillance Ops headquarters is telling him, do not get involved with this fight. Talon will fuck you up. Do not do it. Condor Red says, you know what? I don't believe you. I'm going to go fuck this guy up. So he goes down. Uh, he provides the distraction the Nightwings need to, you know, uh, recoup, recover, because Talon is naturally fucking them up. Uh, well, uh, mm. <laughs> Condor Red gets fucked up. Easily. Easily. And as, uh, I guess he does kind of get one good punch in to, to, uh, on Grayson, and I'm not sure if that's what it was to make him realize it or whatever it is, but the fact is Grayson, he, he's just... He's there for the kill shot, and Talon, or, you know, the, the original Talon, he's standing on the building with uh, B, Nightwing, or Grayson's uh, little lady friend, and she's looking on in disbelief, like, you are not going to get him to kill this guy, it's not going to happen, despite the little brainwashing thing you have going on, it's, he's, he's just too good of a person, he's, he's going to overcome, and Talon says, watch this, and he goes for, and he, I'm going to make a kill him. And you think he's going to kill him, and then he takes off the fucking goggles, and he doesn't kill him, and now he's, Grayson just looks fucking pissed. And the whole fucking thing just took a turn, and I have a feeling the next issue, we're going to get some dick. Dick's going to be back. It's not going to be Rick anymore. I, that's that's my prediction. And, yeah, fucking, I, I don't know. I, maybe, I don't know, I've got... I've got my speculations, but I know people aren't reading this book right now because they took Dick away. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I expected this, this to kind of run on a little bit longer. I kind of thought maybe that Dick Rick would kill one of the Nightwing people, and maybe that would, you know, just add on to the pile of emotional Batman family bullshit that is heavily tied to all of this, but guess not. I like it when I'm wrong. I do. I like it when I'm wrong in comics. 
shows that uh, shit's not as predictable as you think. But I, I really am predicting that Dick's going to be back. I do. Let's move on to... <laughs> this is probably the most anticipated book of the week. Maybe the most anticipated book of the year for so many. This is Batman number 85. This is the end of Tom King's run on the Batman title. And along with him, Mikel Janine and Jordi Belair threw down on the art as they tend to do. So brilliant, brilliantly, can't say that word, Tony S. Daniel and Tomal Moray did the cover. And so I had to go through and read 84 before I read the 85, naturally. Uh, the thing is, is, I didn't get to it. So I read 84 and 85 back to back, kind of mini binged. What I got out of this is the fight that I thought I was going to get in 85 actually happened in 84. And this is all just a, a very poetic conclusion. They don't come out and there's nothing. You just got to kind of take it for what it is. You got to read between the lines. And they go back and forth between these serious, or scenarios and they time jump. It starts out where, you know, it looks like Batman's getting ready to take on his dad. Or, well, I can't, can't say Batman. They're both calling themselves Batman. Bruce is getting ready to go fuck up Thomas. And they're standing across the room. And all you, you hear Bruce say, this is for Alfred. And then we go back to a moment where Alfred's still alive, and it's all Tom Kingy and poetic and beautiful, and it makes it impossible to explain his fucking stories on a podcast. But yeah, um, that that all happens, and then you see Selena and Bruce laying in bed, and uh, they well, not necessarily in that order. And like I said, it goes back and forth. They're laying in bed. The most important thing I think we get out of all of this, though, is the conversation between uh, Batman, Bruce as Batman now. So this is where you realize, okay, he won. Uh, he, he beat Thomas Wayne. And the whole Selena and bed thing isn't just another one of his dream sequence bullshit things. They're above Gotham, and he and Gotham Girl are talking, and Gotham Girl, if you're not aware, she is essentially Superman-level powered, but when she uses her power, she's poisoned, and it starts to kill her. Well, Batman, or Bruce, has developed uh, Platinum Kryptonite, and this Platinum Kryptonite is kind of... It draws out this poison within her power, so now she could just run along being the baddest bitch in the whole fucking planet. And I, more than anything, I think this issue sets up Gotham Girl as the, really, as a staple character in the DC universe from here on out. I would not be surprised if DC came out and gave her a miniseries, if not her own ongoing. Because her story is incredible, and frankly, better than Superman. She's so, her powers, although equal to, way more interesting than Superman. And also, Brian Michael Bendis isn't writing her yet, so it's probably going to be great. I fucking say that out loud. Um, so, yes, but the big thing is, <laughs> well, that's the big thing. But beyond all of that, Gotham Girl also, <laughs> so the whole time, yes, she's been given this wonderful, wonderful gift. And is she grateful? Sure. But she keeps going on about saying, when's the fucking wedding, man? When's the wedding? And just like I Fucking called way back in the day, issue 49 of Batman, years ago, I said, 
Issue 50 is not going to be the wedding issue. It's not going to happen. It's going to happen in Tom King's final issue on Batman. Guess what, fuckers? I was kind of right. Doesn't necessarily happen. They go to get married, but instead they just uh, kind of end up, <laughs> well, having fun on a rooftop and wake up and say, well, fuck, we missed the courthouse. There was not going to be a wedding. They were just going to make it happen. And they said, well, maybe in the morning. Thus setting up Tom King's 12-issue arc of The Bat and the Cat that will be coming out this year, and bam, set up wonderfully. Well, what's going on with Thomas Wayne? He's in jail. Uh, Bane, he's concussed, uh, in a coma, uh, probably has a bit of a backache too on account of Batman broke his fucking back, just like, you know, you know, as he should. Payback. So, that was Batman, and you know what, I, I guess there was a lot to break down on this, but as far as getting out of it what you sh really should, what Tom King is meant to deliver, you have to read the story and enjoy the panels piece by piece. Once again, this podcast does this story no justice. You want to know what's going on, I'll tell you that much, but as far as delivering the entertainment that Tom King and these 85 issues have delivered... You're just going to have to enjoy it on your own. So, I know I've been hyper-critical of this story. There's been some arcs that I have not been a fan of. It doesn't mean they're bad. Just because I don't like it doesn't mean it's bad. I love a lot of bad shit that a lot of you guys don't like that I talk about. So, there's a healthy balance, I guess. But, unfortunately, some of that stuff didn't do it for me, but it all came around so beautifully. And once again, I'm going to use the word poetically. Because Tom King is a writer that comic books just aren't used to. Uh, we've never seen anything like this guy. He's a novelist that was in the fucking CIA, and when you get somebody that was in the CIA with top-secret fucking missions, and you give them a guy like the greatest detective on the planet, you're, you're gonna get something different and groundbreaking. And yes, he killed Alfred, and there is no more Alfred. That is not. That was not a dream. He's fucking dead. And this, the, yeah, Batman will never be the same thanks to Tom King. Whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing, that's your decision, but I'm still going to say bravo in the end. I I dug it. Did I, how, I, golly, I spent a lot of time on that book for a book that I said that I don't have anything to talk about on it. Batman Superman number five, last DC book of the week that I will be talking about. Now, uh, I got some some re-stepping to do here. I got really pissed off at the end of number four because they solicited to make it seem like that was the end, and I was led to believe that this was going to be a five-part series, if not six. Well, this... Here we are, issue five. I don't like that continued on in, a, in another dot, dot, dot bullshit that doesn't... Mm, I don't know. That's just my little beef right now. Fact is, I got my book. It's here. I should be happy. I'm reading. I'm talking about it. Uh, Joshua Williamson, David Marquez, Alejandro Sanchez did the, uh, well, they created the book, and Jim Chung and Tomar Moray did the cover. Now, Batman, Superman, they're kind of split up, taking on all of their own, uh, well, different who laughs versions, if you will. Superman, he's in charge of fucking up Superman and Supergirl. Uh, he's got to stop the satellite from beaming down and making everybody the worst version of themselves. Well, when you've got fuckers like Superman and Super or Shazam and Supergirl trying to stop you, could be a problem. Naturally, Superman is struggling. 
Batman, on the other hand, he's got to take out Commissioner Gordon and, Gordon and Blue Beetle. Easy enough, right? Well, not necessarily Blue Beetle. He's got the scarab. Well, Gordon is explaining to Batman, because Batman's not going to touch a hair on Gordon's head despite how fucking terrible he is right now and the worst version of himself. It's just not going to happen. But he has no problem trying to fuck up Jamie. <laughs> well, the thing is, is Gordon's saying, well, in order to stop this, all of this shit from happening, the, the, the key to all of this is in Jamie's scarab. Now, the, the reason why there's six needed is because each individual person that the Batman Who Laughs has handpicked all has their own part to play. Well, apparently Jamie's part is within a scarab, and the scarab on, uh, embedded in him is the key to the satellite somehow. The only way to stop the satellite is to kill Jamie, according to Gordon. Well, Batman, although he has no problem fucking him up, is not going to kill him. He's Batman. So what he does is he rips the fucking scarab off of him, and he puts the fucking scarab on him. Uh, mm. Guys, I, this <laughs> Batman with the fucking blue beetle scarab is... Probably the most intriguing thing, intriguing anything that Batman's ever worn. It is, I, I, I can't fucking wait to see this. And when it all comes down to it, it makes me realize that, yes, there probably will be a sixth issue to this. Or maybe it's going to continue in the Year of the Villain conclusion four-part series. I don't fucking know. Once again, I had that to be continued in dot, dot, dot bullshit. But really what we take out of this is Batman has the scarab. Superman, he's struggling, kind of fucking superpowers up, I guess. And, you know, starts holding his own for a second. But the Batman who laughs, who has been in prison this whole time, still kind of pulling the strings still, is, well... Uh, he's not in prison anymore. So, that's, that's, that's the issue there. And, well, yeah, that's a, that's a fucking problem. That's a real fucking problem. So that's what I got for DC this week. Um, yes, there were still, I know there's a bunch more, but like I said in the beginning, it's, uh, it's going to be saved. Let's move on to a couple of Marvel books. And in these Marvel books... Uh, it was it was hard for me to decide how to split it up this week, but I'm gonna go with two the two the two big books that are concluding for Marvel, starting with Guardians of the Galaxy number twelve, Legacy numbering one sixty two, Donny Cates, Corey Smith, Victor Olazaba, and David Curiel, cover by Jeff Shaw and David Curiel. Now, real quick, like what's going on here is this is a, a very visual book. That's for sure. The talking points are very brief, but heavy. Rocket, we know that he, in his crippled state, is off to rescue the Guardians. And essentially, he shows up and he's able to rewire the Patriarch ship to fuck up and blah blah blah, essentially saving the Guardians. It's, you're just going to have to figure all that exactly. And yeah, how itself is something you're going to have to enjoy on your own. But at this point, we get them reunited, and, well, Rocket's dying. Still, there's a little bit of a fight that needs to be done, and he's, he's just way too weak. Well, we get probably the coolest thing that we've ever seen Groot do visually, ever. At least me. And he forms this giant wooden Groot mech suit with fucking Rocket right there in the chest, and it's... Uh, it's like a Megazord, but with Groot and Rocket. It is... Holy shit, it is so good. <laughs> it's so fucking good. 
Well, yes, Patriarch ends up getting defeated, and, well, Thanos wins. Patriarch goes to the future, and, yeah, he gets to confront Thanos, and, ah, uh, it's a whole beautiful thing in Donnie Cates' universe, and, yes. Uh, waking up in the hospital is Rocket Raccoon, and around him, in the most Wizard of Oz of fashions, are the Guardians, and he goes on to say, what did I miss? You know, he's, he's the fact that he's fine. He's going to be fine. I know that we all thought Rocket was going to die. Do you really think that Donny Cates, in his first major year, breaking or becoming the beast that he is, is going to do something to piss everybody off on that level? It's, I mean, because there's nobody that would make happy. Nobody. You don't kill Rocket Raccoon. Did I think Rocket Ra Raccoon was going to die? I guess part of me kind of... I, I knew that Cates had the balls to do it, but whether or not he wanted to do it was a whole different thing. And I'm, I'm glad he made the right decision. He retained his fans. That's for sure. Um, well, yeah, this is... Uh, at this point on, this is the end of Donny Cates' run. Uh, Joe Bennett's going to take over from here on Guardians, and I don't know anybody that's going to be mad at that. Immortal Hulk has seems to be unanimously Marvel's best ongoing title. So, yeah. Yeah. Let's talk uh, one more. One more book in the overviews. Uh, this is the end of something that's setting up a six-month Marvel event. Um, Tony Stark, Iron Man number 19, setting up the Iron Man 2020 event. Initially, I said no. I'm not going to buy into this. I'm not Personally, I'm not a huge fan of uh, Tony's voice with Dan Slott behind him. It's just my opinion. Uh, but, but... I'm I'm very intrigued with how these last two issues kind of wrapped around, just because it's not or wrapped up, just because it's not the Tony voice that I'm used to. You know, I thought Bendis's Tony voice was just perfect, perfect. I don't I don't really get it out of that out of this, but with this, I don't think it's so much uh, uh, the voice as uh, that's a, as important as the the. The, the plot and the story. So getting on with it, Dan Slott, Christos Gage, Francesco Mana, and Edgar Delgado, covered by Alexander Lozano. So, uh, well, War Machine versus Ultron Pym. This is a big deal. Rhodey hasn't worn the War Machine thing since, you know, Civil War II. Well, there's a fight. It's a good fight, but Pym kind of, he blasts him and get, gets away. His next stop is Stark Industries. He's got to get to Stark Industries. He's got to kill Tony Stark. He's got to kill the motherfucker that, you know, unfused his perfect wife. And, yeah, well, when he shows up, guess what? Tony's got a fusion-separating weapon ready to go. And this is enough for Pym Ultron to say, you know, I think I like myself being... I would rather be evil and perfect than um, not being able to be as evil and separated and... Uh, two of me in jail. So, jail me is one, not as two, I guess. Please don't shoot me in the fucking face with that weapon, essentially, is what he says. After his big, um, uh, villainous monologue. <laughs> so, everything is saved. There's no more Pym and all of that. But that's not where it all, uh, really, the, the, the main villains, and throughout this arc, has actually been Arno and Sunset the whole time. 
And, uh, you know, we get Tony acknowledging that he is, in fact, an AI. He comes out and publicly states, you know, just like in the, you know, the, the one press conference, hey, you remember when he said, I'm Iron Man? And then he's like, I'm not fucking Iron Man. I'm not Tony Stark. Uh, I'm taking complete responsibility for all this fuck-upness that happened. Uh, I'm not trying to bow out of that, but I, as Tony Stark, um, yeah, not not who you think. It's, 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 I died. And we even get a moment of subtle just kind of grudginess when Carol shows up. You know, the bitch that fucking killed him. Yes, we could say it. Captain Marvel officially killed Tony Stark. I knew I didn't like that fucking cunt to begin with. Told you. Fucking told you. Ugh. At least he's not dead from comics. I mean, maybe that's why his voice isn't there. I don't know. Um, even when he was a fucking hologram, though, Bendis was writing his voice. I don't know. I gotta get off of it, Brian. So, yes, that's definitely setting up a major arc for sure in this 2020 event. But the big one being Arno and Sunset, they're plotting to get their hands on this god armor. And that is really the main driving point of this Iron Man 2020 thing. But the the big oh shit moment at the end of this story arc is Tony sitting in a bar. Sitting in a bar. Tony's sitting in a bar. Danger, right? Well, he he takes his quote-unquote, first sip of alcohol. Um, yes, was he drinking in the the Escape universe or whatever the fuck it was called? I forgot what it was called. But, yeah, he was. But that was virtual drinking. It's not the same. He's actually got a drink in his hand right now. And, uh, mmm. Mmm, mmm, mmm. Little bit of whiskey. Yeah. So, that's the overviews. That's what I got. What do I got? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Thanks, 9. I don't know. 11 or, 11 or 12 books here. Uh, yeah. Like I said, if there's something that you want to talk about that I didn't get to talk about, I could have made episode 59. Or maybe I'm still going to talk about it on this podcast, and maybe it's coming up on honorable mentions. But before I get to that, I got to leave you with this while I top off my little drinky poo. Good day, I'm Ken. And I'm Steve, and we're the hosts of the Nerd Cantina Show, where nerd culture and society intersect. Whether you come for entertainment news, or some space and science talk, we are here to keep you informed on weekly nerd topics and discuss how they affect us as a society. As well as having in-depth interviews in our Cantina Conversation and Fight Me Fridays. Just like any cantina, we want you to join in on the conversation. From our blog at thenerdcantina.com, our voicemail line, or our closed Facebook group at thenerdcantina.com forward slash community, where we really get to interact with our fans. So pull up a stool and get involved in our community all right did you like that i bet you did i listen to an abundance of the nerd cantina podcast myself as a matter of fact i think you could even find me on there and like within their first four or five episodes um that's where i talk about how awesome shazam is yeah so highly recommend those people along with all the other motherfuckers from the next wave radio group oh yeah anyway Honorable mentions. Now, these are the books that uh, didn't necessarily make the overviews, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I may have not exactly found the talking points to get to, or enough talking points, or maybe it's something I'm saving. Maybe it's something I'm just collecting. I don't know. 
that's that's the honorable mentions though so let's get on with them there honorable mentions we got daredevil daredevil number 15 never thought i'd see the day where this book made an honorable mention because it's probably marvel's best ongoing now i mean it's up there with fucking um hulk and uh and venom for sure it's definitely in the talks but but oh man so yeah it's uh chip zarsky and marco Caquetto. just yeah i learned how to say his name right finally after fucking i don't know 59 episodes um as murdoch's back motherfucker that's what we need to take out of this is murdoch's back and bone and electra again not a fan of that fuck that bitch maybe zarsky's gonna make her cool because I can't stand Elektra. I've always hated that fucking bitch. Anyway, uh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man from the Abrams family, along with Sarah Pacelli and Dave Sturt. Um, yeah, you know, fucking, uh, Parker's telling little Benny, hey, don't be Spider-Man. He says, I'm gonna be Spider-Man. And then as they're going through this conversation, Cadaverous comes in, fucking stabs Peter in the fucking back and then threw him and uh, yeah and it looks like he's dead but no he takes him because he's doing some experimenting and benny is mortified i couldn't find the talking points on this one i enjoyed it i'm not dropping this book by any means i'm gonna keep it going i think it's a five-parter but the whew, that was gruesome i really thought they killed peter for a second but they totally acknowledged like look this guy falls off fucking buildings and shit he's he's a superhero therefore he can super withstand i guess uh any other motherfucker would be dead for show all right from dark horse comics skull digger and skeleton boy jeff lemire ton Zonik, and steve wands so um I didn't realize until I just op- or just went to crack the cover that from the, it says from the world of Black Hammer. I have notoriously stated that I don't know a goddamn thing about the Black Hammer universe. But I will say this. After reading this, I want to know every goddamn thing about the Black Hammer universe. Uh, I'm still on the fence on whether or not I continue this, because at this point I feel like it's time to invest in something, and that being the Black Hammer universe. So, <laughs> uh, eh. this, 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 this book was absolutely fucking perfect in every way, shape, and form. The only thing that worries me is that, yes, Black Hammer was mentioned, um, I, I you know, a lot speculate this is going to be its own thing. And honestly, I think I'm going to do the fair thing. You know, I don't want to jump off something I enjoyed so much because I think something may or may not happen. Uh, Something that I know nothing about. So I'm going to jump on and stay on this until I'm I'm lost. And when I get lost, I'll maybe, depending on how I feel, maybe I'll go in and try to catch up on the Black Hammer universe do some Googles and whatnot. I bet, I bet you I could probably do that. Uh, but, ugh, fuck. Skulldigger and Skeleton Boy was... It's incredible. It's about a badass superhero, or vigilante, if you will. More of an anti-hero than any, anything. Um, he, he saves this boy, whose parents are now dead, and then he realizes that, oh shit, your parents are dead? It's Batman, is what it is. But way more violent. 
way more violent. It, it, it's beautiful. Doomsday Clock, number 12. I've got some serious catching up to do. I don't... Man, I can't wait to read all of this. Uh, everybody says it was great. And I'm going to have to agree with everybody. You know, when everybody says something's good, it's got to be pretty good, right? Because nobody agrees in, in comic books ever. I'm excited. I'm excited to go through and... Yeah, I know that the Drew Manchu comic book review or whatever has a YouTube thingy. And they go through and explain all this, and I'm going to go check that out. Hopefully that gives me everything I need going into this. Hopefully they explain all of Doomsday Clock and not just issue 12. Uh, yeah, I just I plugged someone randomly just now. Um, but, you yeah, know, the reviews have helped in the past, actually. Kind of give me a different perspective. Anyway, Lucifer... Lucifer number 15 from the Sandman universe. Yes, this is a book that I collect. Don't necessarily read. It's going to be something like a rainy day read type of thing. And, uh, yeah. Going on the fucking podcast, Brian. There you go. Excalibur number four. Mm, All of the mutant books came out this week. Except for X-Men. And, um... I, I, I can't figure out I, which ones I want to subscribe to and stay on. You know, I'm reading, I've been reading them all. Uh, Excalibur, I'm kind of on the fence about. I'm pretty sure I'm going to stick with X-Force at this point. I'm going to stick with X-Men for sure. Um, and Yeah, th- th- those are the two that I'm super solid on. Uh, Marauders, the, i I got to go through and read issue three and four still. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll decide off of that. I loved issue one, though. Issue one was my favorite of the new Dawn of X six books, for sure. Uh, and then, yeah, yeah. Um, so Excalibur, I'm, not, I'm on the fence about. I didn't, I didn't get to it this week, unfortunately. Unfortunately. But I feel like these X books now are doing a good job of explaining, at least in, in minor detail, uh, what, what, what has happened happened in another book so yeah i don't know uh new mutants number four uh, i new mutants uh, just originally didn't grab me i am notorious for not liking a uh, number ones that jonathan hickman writes i don't like his issue ones and this one was issue one was uh, hickman e enough for me to just kind of fall off of wanting to read this at all but as of right now, I'm still collecting and buying all six titles. And I don't know. I'm just a masochist, I guess. I don't know. But I'll, uh, oh, fuck. What does that say on the cover? I'm going to have to translate that. There's some cocoa burnt on the cover there. Anyway, um, yeah, that's a fucking sweet cover. Uh, yeah, so that's New, new Mutants. Uh, maybe I'll get around to it. Maybe I'll trade that one. That's what I'll do. I'll trade weight New Mutants. Still buy the issues, though. Ghost Spider number five. I, uh, I like this. I like this story. It's not a priority of mine, though. You know, on a massive, massive week, sometimes you just gotta, uh, well, like I said, prioritize. And Ghost Spider, there's... I don't think there's anybody out there right now dying to know what happens in Ghost Spider, despite how enjoyable it is. So, yeah, there you go. 
Um, uh, Earth's Mightiest Avengers. Avengers number 28. Legacy 728. Uh, okay. I, I know that I said I was fully on board with this fucking arc. And I think this was just another instance of, whoops, should have read it. And maybe I'll put this one in next week's pile. Because now I'm kind of kicking myself for not reading it. I, I'm really remembering how much I love the part one of the Star Brand Reborn. That was really good. Man, I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll transfer that one over. Last honorable mention of the week. Amazing Spider-Man number 36, Legacy 837, Expenser. Not doing any of the 2099 titles. I'm skipping everything with the 2099 logo on it. Uh, I don't... Unfortunately, I just don't care. I like Spider-Man 2099 as a character. Don't want a Spider-Man event being led by Nick Spencer. That's that's just what it is. Um, I personally think that, yeah, uh, this, this Spider-Man run, Amazing Spider-Man, has had its share of fucking badass issues for sure. But overall, it's hasn't been my favorite. Yeah, it just hasn't been my favorite of the Spider titles. And when you have that type of reputation, I it just seems silly for me to want to invest in an entire, an entire um, event based around this book. So that's what I came to there. That's uh that's the honorable mentions. Like I said, if there's stuff I didn't mention, it's probably going to come up. It's definitely, more than likely, going to come up in episode 60. So make sure you tune into that next week for the Christmas book show. Let's talk wall books. I know lately the wall book segment has been light and slacky. But, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. That is not the instance this week at all. My wall got, is going, mm, yeah. I had to go out and buy more my lines. Let's put it this way. First one is going to be Shazam. Kara Andrews just fucking destroyed this Shazam cover. I don't... Uh, uh, it, God damn. God damn. This is maybe my most... Uh, I, I, I don't know what... Else. This is the best Shazam cover I've ever seen in my life. There we go. There are the words. This is the best Shazam cover I've ever seen in my life. It's that good. Um, more power range... off. Oh, Fuck, I knew I forgot something. Uh, see, I didn't read it because they only had the variants this week, and I don't touch these foil variants. So, hopefully... Uh, God damn it. I need to read... I need to catch up on Power Rangers. I'm bummed that I'm a couple issues behind, but I might just have to bow down and read these digitally. God damn it. But, yes, the, the Red Ranger foil variant cover is going to look ne very, 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 very good next to the rest of all of the other foil Power Ranger variants that have come out that are on my wall in their own little segment. Still got to hang up old Zach's, but here's Jason's to go next to him. I do, I, and I know that I was confused last time as to why there's a Jason one. Yes, there already was a Jason one, uh, but it's different. It's a different foil Jason one. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, Star Wars. Star Wars, I've been into these action figure variants all of a sudden. Uh, I kind of had a case of, oh, other people want it, I want it too, type of situation. Oh, there's not very many of them. 
uh, well, I, I want to make sure that I have them. <laughs> I know, it's kind of shitty, but I also do put them in a MyLite, and I'm going to eventually, when I re-theme my next wall, right now I got the lady theme, the wonderful, wonderful women of comics, uh, as my, as my theme for the next couple of months, as I accumulate these Star Wars and all the action figure variants, Marvel, you know, in general does the action figure variants, I think the Star Wars ones are best, but, yeah, it's gonna be a segment I put on there, for sure, I dig them, I dig them quite a bit, and this one is the Ben Solo, yeah, I said Ben Solo, this is, uh, well, pre-Kylo Ren, man, pre-Kylo Ren, and it's from the Rise of the Kylo... I guess I should tell you the title. Rise of Kylo Ren number one. Uh, I'm gonna... This is a four-parter that I'm gonna binge read. I am gonna get every issue of this. Uh, I'm a big fan of Kylo Ren as a character, and this kinda is the, uh, the introduction of the Knights of Ren, to my understanding, from what I've been told. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Now... Uh, these next two covers are, I mean, anytime this artist does anything, I buy it. Uh, it's, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sucker for Francesco Mattina, man. And, uh, an issue number 85 of, of a Francesco Mattina book, it's just, it's beautiful. Um, well, there's really nothing beautiful about him drawing Batman. It's always really dark and shadowy, and you don't see much, but you get the idea. Because really, that's what Batman should be, is dark and shadowy. There shouldn't be a whole lot of lighting and spotlight on Batman. That's not how he rolls. You know, he's the Dark Knight. It's, oh man, I love the way he fucking draws Batman. He's sharp. Like, literally, everything about him is sharp. It's, ah, oh, dig it. I dig it so fucking much. I have an entire wall dedicated to Francesco Mattina. That that wall is never coming down. Yes, I have more than one wall in my house. Uh, <laughs> um, last but not least, on the wall books, is going to be Suicide Squad number one, Francesco Mattina. This is just pure fucking beauty. Uh, Francesco Mattina did a lot of the other Suicide covers, and I think that went to issue 50, I believe. Or maybe it was 47. I don't remember. But he did a lot of variants for the the last Suicide Squad book. And I could only hope that... I have no problem buying a book twice. I have no problem with that. I, you know, Tom Taylor, like I said, take all of my money. And if you're going to be so fucking brilliant to where you're going to sell a book... A, because they want to read it, and B, they, you know, you're going to get a, a variant cover artist that's just going to always sell fucking books for you, just based off of uh, shelf appeal alone. Uh, Tom Taylor's the smartest man in comics. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it. He's... Fuck, dude. Fuck. Uh, I'm... Th this cover's beautiful. And on it, you got... Uh, shark, not King Shark, but yeah. Uh, the fucking well, God damn it, who was it? Well, I forgot his name. Uh, it's Deadshot and Harley for sure. And Harley looks, whew, uh, gnarly, <laughs> fucking super gnarly. Yeah, it's just the shark. That's what it is. Um, I'm, I don't. <sighs> I fucking love this this cover so much, and that. Brings me into my my most 
my, my top acknowledgements of the week. And I'm going to start right off the top with fucking cover of the week easily goes to Suicide Squad. Easily. If there are still copies available on shelves, I don't see that as a thing. But if there are, you just got to see it for yourself. I mean, I guess you can Google it, but... Oh, man. I... This is... Uh, Google it on a 4K TV, I guess, maybe. I don't know. I don't do... Yeah. Uh, but... No, go buy the book. Go fucking buy the book. Hang it on your wall. Put it in the MyLite. Protect it from the sun. That white background is going to draw some shit. But the cardstock... The cardstock... I'm kind of liking. I don't like having to pay an extra dollar for it. But... Yeah. Yep. It's, uh, that's my cover of the week, hands down. Interiors of the week. This was a difficult decision because everything was just beautiful. <laughs> I mean, do I? I can't. Yeah. I, yeah. Beautiful. All of it. All of it. Um. Fuck. You know what? I originally had something in my head for this, but I'm gonna have to crown. Give the triple crown. I haven't given a triple crown in a long time. Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad won me over on every single fucking level. Bruno Redondo and Adriano Lucas. Brilliant. Uh, there's not a panel in here that isn't holy fuck. That does not make one react in the holy fuck manner. Uh, yeah. Triple crown, baby. Triple motherfucking crown. That's... That is, uh, hmm, that does it. That does it. My most recommended book on every single level, every aspect there is to judge a comic book by, is Suicide Squad. Number one, Tom Taylor, Bruno Redondo, Adriano Lucas, variant cover Francesco Mattino. You have, mm, this is how you come back after two weeks. Episode 59 brought it, baby. I believe it brought it. I loved everything I read. There's nothing that I read that I put into the honorable mention pile. Um, it, well, I guess that's not necessarily true. Uh, Daredevil, I guess, kind of made its way in there. But I read it, and I fucking loved it. I just couldn't figure out what to talk about um, other than a couple of sentences because I'm going to use the word poetic again. That wraps up episode 59. I'd like to remind you to support this podcast. Do so by going to patreon.com slash cheers to comics. For a little as a dollar, you get access to exclusive content that nobody else is getting. Thinking about kind of posting some of these videos or these interviews that I've been doing. Yeah, been shooting some videos too. Um, yeah, I don't. Ha I haven't been staying up on the YouTube and all that since I transferred over to the network. Uh, I'll get on all that, but the fact is, as far as Patreon goes, there's stuff that I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna release anywhere but Patreon. And some of the stuff that I, I you know I, it's gonna come up early. Only Patreons are gonna get it early. And yes, it doesn't matter what tier you are, as little as a dollar. I'm gonna send you stickers. You could join all the way up. There's several different rankings and the slurred army. And bam, fucking do it, do it. If you don't have the extra dollars, I know, I understand it's the holiday season. Uh, so, just leave a fucking review, huh? Leave a review, Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Stitcher, wherever you criticize shit, leave five stars, and it helps this podcast in the rankings and become more discoverable. The more discoverable this podcast is, 
the more content, I'm more, I'm motivated to put out, so, bam, fucking downloads motivate the shit out of me, and all you new listeners that have joined on recently since I joined the 143 Podcast Network, welcome, uh, this is, it's been overwhelming, overwhelming, and I hope that, uh, out of the masses of you, as you start listening to this podcast, you do want to become an official member of the Slurred Army and leave those rankings and leave, you know, leave a dollar, a dollar, and yeah, the fucking does it, I'd like to remind you to support nsclivetv.com, that's No Signal Comics, baby, proud affiliate, go there for all types of good comic book content, more than anything, the best in auction action, for sure, there's always an auction happening, that does it, um, yep, this is, uh, this has been a podcast you slurred, read responsibly, have, be safe for the holidays, enjoy yourselves, and, uh, cheers, fuckers. Well, hello, slurds. I've got a little announcement for you. The Cheers to Comics podcast is now proudly affiliated with NSCLiveTV.com. That's No Signal Comics. NSCLiveTV.com. And what is NSCLiveTV.com? I'll tell you. It is an all-around comic book channel. You, it's a, you go to this website nsclivetv.com and you're going to be given all of these options and different channels uh for instance the cheers to comics podcast i believe is channel 34 so yes there's there ah, we're one of the first podcasts on there but uh as far as other comic book needs everything from live auctions to uh other distributors and i mean it is an all-around comic book website for collectors and enthusiasts and readers alike so once again, Cheers to Comics is super stoked to be affiliated with NSCLiveTV.com, and I, I think you should check it. I don't think. I don't think. I know you should go check it out. Uh, links are all in the description, but yeah, it's easy. NSCLiveTV.com. Your home for the best in auction action. <laughs>